Let's find the physician and then find the job that works for them. Let's not find the job and then find the physician that works for the job. Because at the end of the day, if we can fulfill the happiness of the physicians and their lives, it'll work for them. Welcome to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast, where we explore the business and profession of emergency medicine. I'm Leon Edelman, an emergency physician and the founder of IV Clinicians. Today's guest is Dr. Hamad Husseini, founder of Sycamore Independent Physicians. Sycamore is revolutionizing the locum tenens model by putting physicians first. With Sycamore, Clinicians can find freedom and flexibility while serving patients and communities in need. For a quick background, locum tenens providers work at healthcare facilities on a temporary basis to fill gaps in care or occupy vacant positions until full-time providers can be found. It can be great work, but it's also challenging to find the right match for the provider, the practice, and the hospital. Hamad's journey to founding Sycamore began when he was an ED medical director at his local hospital. One night, after working a long week's worth of shifts, he got a phone call that made him realize there were some inefficiencies and problems in hospital care. I had worked Monday through Friday uh, clinically, and I was supposed to have the weekend off, and I'd shared that with my wife and kids, and at 4 a.m. I got a call from a uh, regional vice president of a large contract management company. And they had a shift they needed covered in two hours. I thanked him for calling me and, and I said, I, I told my wife I was going to have the weekend off. And uh, she was laying beside me in, in, in our bed. And he said, I have, I'm, out of, I'm out of options. This gentleman failed to ask me the most crucial question that he should have asked me, which was, how much would it take for you to work for me? Instead, this gentleman said, I'll pay you $1,000 an hour. I rolled over and I told my wife that next weekend I'll be off and I'll go to work. It was then that Hamad decided to start Sycamore Independent Physicians. It's one thing to decide to start a company, but Hamad has done an amazing job of executing his vision and solving problems rather than just being focused on profitability. The beginning of that was really centered around being physician-centric. Where I'm a physician, the fact that I felt the industry was uh, full of corporations that were very business-minded, very profit-centric, uh, very uh, acquisition-minded. And so we wanted to get become less transactional and more relational. And, and that started with physicians. You know, one might rebuke me or say, yeah, but you get paid from emergency medicine groups and hospitals. And I would say, you're absolutely right. But it doesn't remain the fact that we have to stay, um, we have not just, it's, it's less about even loyalty. It's more about taking care of the folks that have, that, that allow us to do what we do every day, and that and that's emergency physicians. So yep. that was the first thing, and the second thing that really was bugging me and really was weighing on me was the fact that our industry is is lacking transparency. Mm -hmm. um, it's 
you know, well, I'm making $200 an hour. Well, we're, we're all bright individuals. How did we get there? How did we get to $200 an hour? And nobody really wants to explain that to you. Nobody wants to, um, like it's above our head or something. And so after doing significant research, we found that the average locums company in America at that time in 2016 had a, an average margin of 31%. Yeah. We just felt that was just, that, that was unnecessary. That was taking unnecessary funds being spent in the healthcare sector, not to the physicians, not to the patients, not improving quality. And ultimately it was, it was, it was unnecessary. So we created an opportunity for physicians to live in an environment and work with, work within a group that was completely physician centric and also had 100% transparency. And uh, that's what we were able to do. You've probably heard a lot about the nursing shortage and how expensive nursing has become. The average take rate or the, the margin for travel nurses is 27%. So that industry is still really, really expensive and, and rural hospitals are, are suffering because of that. So it's really not, it's not just, you know, being kind to physicians, you're being kind to the, to the hospital as well and to the group. Sure, sure. Can I ask what, what the rate is that, that you guys charge? Sure. So we started at 9.75%. I, I will share that we had to just increase that to 10.75%. And I might add that that didn't go without uh, a significant amount of thought and labor. I, I really did not want to do that. But uh, as we're all aware of the rising costs of employees and benefits and and all of that, um, it it's one thing to be the low cost leader. And, and that's part of what we want to be is, is we don't want to be the cheap alternative. We want to be the low cost leader because if somebody asked me what success looks like, and I, and, and I may be jumping the gun here, so to speak, but what, what does success look like? Success looks like in 10 years, every company has a 10% margin. Right. What if that means your company's not relevant anymore? I succeeded. Yeah. The, the key stakeholders here, are the, the patient's, the physicians and the hospitals. Um, one of the key elements to, to any uh, successful venture is the, the team that you bring in around you. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the team at Sycamore? Absolutely. So when we started this company, it was me and my wife in an office with no windows. And we sort of looked at each other and we said, well, we'll <laughs> see how we get started. My mother-in-law also had just retired and had a, a background of running her own business. So we leaned on her a little bit to to, to help us through the, the formidable years of, of just organization and, and setting things up financially and whatnot. And so after about a year and a half, we realized we needed to grow and we needed someone that was a visionary of sorts to lead our company. And, and I realized I could not be a full-time emergency physician and run a company. And so um, I had this very bizarre sort of freak instance of um, interview, if you will, with a guy who had done some consulting for small businesses and he was just coming through town and wanted to meet with a few small businesses. Mm -hmm. And so he came in and he just was taking notes and he's like, Hey, you know, I'm just, I'm here to be an asset. If I can, if, if I can be an asset, that'd be great. And so him and I, we stayed in touch for several months. And, and after about six months, I was having a conversation with him, bouncing some ideas off of him because you know, at that point, at that point in your in, in your growth, 
it's sometimes hard to be vulnerable with people around you because yeah. if you ask the wrong questions, sometimes, well, how big are you? Or, you know, are you guys really getting off the ground? And so he was really that backboard and, and, and that, that individual that I went to. And one day I just said, you know, Larson, I would love it if you would become our CEO of this mm. company. And he said, well, tell me what that looks like. And so long story short, our CEO, Larson Hicks, has been with us for about four and a half years, has done a phenomenal job took over an opportunity with really one year of guaranteed salary and made hay like we like to talk about. Mm -hmm. And so created processes and, and, um, a vision for how we were going to succeed going forward. And, and to his, to his credit, he has fulfilled many of, of his predictions and, and really worked hard at continuing to be physician centric, continuing to have our goals and values to be the most important things. And so he's done a great job. So we have, he's our CEO, our COO. Um, we're ha- we just had some turnover, but uh, he brought on one of his former sort of coworkers that lives out in the Bay Area, Andrew Forsman, who's done a great job. And we have currently about 14 employees, but our leadership is Larson and Andrew. And I told mm-hmm. you about my mother-in-law, Catherine Sinke. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, she is what makes the sausage every day. She is still involved as our controller, HR, CFO, everything under the sun, and uh, make sure all the bills get paid and received for that matter. So she still is uh, working uh, probably more than she wants, but uh, is actually in the office with me every day. So it's 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 good bonding time. <laughs> her, her attempt at retirement didn't work out so well. I, yeah. I, actually, I actually just <laughs> joked with her today and I told her that uh, she has four daughters and I said, I know all your other son-in-laws are highly jealous that they don't get to work with their mother-in-law every day. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So physicians aren't always known as as the best of of business people. How how did you figure out how to start this business and and like go through the blocking and tackling of getting funding and getting all the the elements that you needed to start a, a business that you you know residency doesn't teach us how to start a business like this. So, you know, I, I learned, I learned a long time ago that sometimes you have to do some work for free in order to, in order to get off the ground or, or get to maybe where you want to go. And so one of the things that we did was we drew out a game plan of just sort of things that made sense. Like, so for instance, we've got to find our first contract. Like, how does that happen? To be quite honest, the, the way we got our first contract, I had a friend, I have a friend still. Uh, he owned a uh, freestanding emergency department out in Texas, and um, he was paying $200 an hour. And I said, Jared, I said, uh, what if I came out there for $180 an hour? Would you pay my company $20 an hour? And he said, absolutely. Bingo. Nice. There's our first There's Creative. our first client. So little things like that that were intuitive. But when it comes to growing a company, looking at payroll, looking at how you how you fund a company, a lot of it was just through asking. I mean, I love to talk to people, love to ask people that were in other industries of what that looks like. Look at all the opportunities. I mean, what, is it, what does a bank have to offer? What does um, yeah. you know, a lending, other lending institutions have to offer? What do private investors have to offer? The first money that I raised for Sycamore, I went to three friends. And uh, one of those three friends is an emergency physician. Another one of those is another childhood friend. And another, though, another one of those is just a friend that, honestly, we hadn't really even known each other that long, but he had heard me talk about it. <laughs> and it's amazing when you can talk about something, not just with confidence, because confidence can, can be fleeting 
at times but with passion. And yeah. all three of these individuals invested $30,000 for a total mm. of $90,000 um, really early in the company when, when we were really, uh, I, I don't know that we were making $1,000 a month at that point in time. And so yeah. my favorite is that my friend that's the emergency physician down in Florida uh, gave me that money. And he said, just so you know, I don't expect to see one <laughs> dime of this back again. Yeah. Um, yeah. He happens to be, him and I were best friends growing up and uh, we we trained at the same program. And today we're obviously, we're still really great friends, but it was just sort of a, you know, poking at the fact that, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I probably, he, he was always the high achiever. I was the low achiever. So coming full circle, I, I always share with him that nothing would make me happier than to, for him to have to walk around and say that the best investment that he ever made was uh, in 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 his in his buddy who he always considered the uh, underachiever. So, anyways, but nice. so so what happened is we we raised money that way, and then after we raised ninety thousand dollars, there comes a point where you're like, well, we need some more money. And if you're not careful, if you were like me, I I sort of turned around and I said, well, when does this needing more money end? And so that's a, it was a very intriguing question. It, it probably was a little deeper than I had anticipated, but really it, it allowed us to sort of look at this and say, is, um, how do we want to operate? Do we want to be big and bulky and hope that we just get all of the, all of the clients right away? Or do we want to be small and nimble? And do we want to be lean and, and be uh, appropriate with our salaries? And so mm-hmm. when, when Larson came on, um, I offered him a little bit of uh, equity in the company, and I think that's an important step. It wasn't me being frugal or it wasn't me being overly uh, generous. It was the fact that there's an aspect of business, there's an aspect of growth, there's an aspect of leadership that I know a little bit about, but at some point it wasn't going to get to the point where it is today without somebody who's truly invested, and Larson's truly invested uh, as his as as he's as he's shown. So. You know, to your question about how did I learn about blocking and tackling, it was a lot of uh, conversations. It was um, presentations in the in the face of you know some pretty high dollar uh, investors that uh, sort of ate me apart a few times. And um, <laughs> you just you learn from every experience. I believe it. So let's learn a little bit more about how Sycamore works. Um, there's two sides to to your market. There's the the hirers or the employers and the and the physicians. How do you? We'll start with the physician side. How do you find physicians who are interested in working with Sycamore? So you know, in probably a lot of the same ways uh, as others, we use social media. We use you know we 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 go to meetings and things like that. But the real the real component that we feel like differentiates us is that. We have a relationship. You know, we have mm. three uh, account managers. They're highly personable people. They want to every physician that comes to work for Sycamore, some more than others, depending on their preference. But you know, we uh, make a uh, have a get to know you call, and mm. so we really want to be involved in these physicians' lives. No different than if I was the medical director of a local, you know, one or two hospital shop. I'd want to know about your your spouse and your kids and when your birthday is and all these things, not just so I can, you know, uh, put you up on a pedestal and make you think that our company is so great, but you know, we've had, we've had physicians have spouses pass, Mm. you know, 
I don't need to be calling a physician to see if they can work extra shifts in February when their when their spouse just passed in January. This this goes back to those days of being a, a medical director at Team Health. These are dynamic individuals. These are dynamic lives. These are not static, you know, trinkets that are or trinket makers, so to speak, that just show up when you tell them to and 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 not. These are these are humans, and so we value them in such a way that we want to get to know them create a relationship with them and also fulfill their goals. I mean, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I, I, I share with our account managers all the time is let's find the physician and then find the job that works for them. Let's not right. find the job and then find the physician that works for the job. Because at the end of the day, if we can fulfill the ha- happiness of the physicians and their lives and the construct that they've created and they desire, whether it's five shifts a month or 50, you know, 30 shifts a month, it'll work for them. And so uh, we just stress that. We, we're passionate about that. We're uh, invested in that. And so that's, that's how we really bring physicians in on the front end. That's great. Let's take a break to tell you about our sponsor, Ivy Clinicians. Full disclosure here, I'm Ivy's founder. Both as a practicing physician and ED medical director, Navigating the job market felt like going back to the days of classifieds and smoke-filled rooms. Who staffs which ED? I don't know. Who should I contact there? I don't know. What's it like to work there? You get the point. So our team at Ivy created the Zillow of the emergency medicine job market. With Ivy, you can find all 5,549 EDs in the United States, filter them by your preferences, and connect with the right employers, all for free. Your data is secure with Ivy. You pick which employers can see your profile. Sign up now at ivyclinicians.io. When Ivy connects you with your next emergency medicine job, we will even send you a bottle of champagne and a bag of 321 coffee beans to celebrate. That's ivyclinicians.io. All right. Back to the show. And one thing that one word that we haven't used as much as the other two words in your in your name is independent. Right? We've we've used the word sycamore a decent amount, physicians a decent amount. Tell me about why it's not sycamore physicians; it's sycamore independent physicians. The the creation of that came from. What do you want your life to look like as a physician? What, you, the, the goal for all of us is to be is to be independent in the in our in our time uh, management, our independent in our decisions to be made with our family, to be made with our finances. And so, part of the creation of Sycamore, as this this is all rolled out, it's not just about taking a hospital that has need for doctors and having a doctor that wants to travel for a living and do locums. But what does that look like in the best case scenario? I just had a conversation the other day with a guy who wants to move to South America and work mm. and, and, and come back to the States and work. And you know, he said, my goal is I want to be in the States the least amount of time and make the most amount of money that I can so I can be back with my family in Colombia. That, that right there, that, that, that independence, that, that, that's how mm-hmm. we phrase it. Is only is only doable if you can have a relational experience with somebody who understands and cares about that. 
we've instituted telemedicine opportunities. We've instituted remote director opportunities. We've done some um, expert witness opportunities. We have a new, uh, a new opportunity coming out this year that I'm really excited about doing some telemedicine with some uh, specialized uh, care for a group of touring, um, touring musicians uh, of whatnot. So cool. how do we create this? How do we create what we're trying to create for the physician? Not one physician in our group does all of these things, myself included. We have this, this whole range of opportunities. And so when it comes to independence, we want to create an opportunity and we want to create a lifestyle of independence for these physicians going forward so they can do it when they're 60 and they're 65 and they're 70. Because all too often, it's way too transactional. It's way too, can you help me with what I need? And I, we're asking the question, can we help you with what you're interested in and what, with what you need? That's, that's inspiring. And then there's the other side of the, of the market, the, the physician groups who are looking for, uh, who need shifts filled. How do you find those um, employer groups? You know, largely through meetings and relationships, um, <laughs> several through physicians that have worked with us. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, we're, being a salesman is not really what I'm interested in when it comes to dealing with individuals' lives. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, I have cows on the side. I like to buy and sell cows. Like, that's, my, that's <laughs> where I get my, my, my excitement on getting a, an extra hundred bucks here or there. But, you know, the reality is, is that with regards to hospitals and groups, the numbers speak for themselves. Early on in our in our in our company's uh, life, we took on a uh, a client that really had almost no coverage, and mm. every contract management company. It was a place that they that nobody could make any money. It was it was a really difficult yeah. site, and they were paying four hundred and fifty dollars an hour for locum physicians, yeah. and really it was it was it was just it was it was it was not good, and so. We met with them, and they had the desire to find fully board-certified emergency physicians to really improve the care for their local community. And I said, I think we can do that. And they said, but money's tight. And so, you know, we went out, and we paid physicians $300 an hour, which was $75 an hour more than any locums company was paying these doctors. Mm -hmm. And we were able to charge them $30 an hour, about 10%. And so for $330 an hour, they were getting board-certified emergency physicians. And what we realized is that that kind of opportunity, it spoke. It, it, right. you know, I, I didn't even have to say anything. I could just show you numbers, better patient satisfaction, better, better patient outcomes, better care for the community. And oh, by the way, there were physicians that were traveling in to the site and they were saying, man these people need so much help and, the, and, and it's so rewarding. And it's, mm. you know, it turns out when I'm, you know, when I'm up in, uh, you know, when I'm in Seattle, I'll pick on Seattle because I used to live there. You know, when I'm in Seattle, it's like none of those people, these people don't need that kind of help necessarily compared to down here where there's really no resources. And so all that to say was that when we go out and get clients, we share stories and we say, Hey, what are you looking for? And, and how can we help? And there's been times, I've, there's been several times where, We've gone into a situation, you know, they wanted to go, you know, get a rate that was just not competitive. And we just say, well, mm. we, we can't do that. You know, that's not, we're not going to go out and find doctors to work for that in this location because it's, it's completely subpar. 
And mm. if you're interested in, in paying a physician this rate, what we think is fair uh, or more, then we're happy to work. So we've been successful at, at um, having large groups. We work with some of the larger contract management groups, but we also um, have been successful with those groups in and creating guidelines that mm-hmm. um, that don't allow for exploitation, that don't allow for last minute cancellation of shifts, that don't allow for you know individuals being let go uh, unannounced because that's happening regularly mm-hmm. across a lot of places. And so, um, and also in, in fair payment terms. So you know there are a lot of companies out there that will want to pay you in sixty and seventy five day terms, and it's just. It's that's we don't find that ethical, nor do we find that financially responsible. And so we make sure that the companies that we work with are paying in fair terms, so we can pay our physicians in fair terms. And that's it, it, and again, that comes back to transparency. It sounds like you're really focused on protecting and taking care of your doctors, and if they feel taken care of, they'll work hard. They'll do the right thing for the patients. Absolutely, absolutely. And it turns out a lot of places that we work with, we work with the medical directors. And when you're working with a medical director, you know, how, how, what more confidence can you instill in a medical director as a former medical director, having a company that's like, Hey, listen, you're important. Your colleagues are important. And so because we value you and we value them, we want to make sure that everyone's taken care of appropriately without the external financial interests of investors or corporate entities. Got it. So You've built this really great company that's that's delivering a much needed service at the right price. Where do you go from here? What's what's the next step? You know, I think the next step is just continuing to 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 grow the footprint in in other service lines. Um, we do about thirty percent of our work is in hospital medicine. Uh, mm. With regards to our clinical work, we've done a lot with telemedicine. We've created uh, sort of. It's it's a poor use of a word, but a telemedicine consortium, so to speak, where you can work for four or five different telemedicine platforms at a time, which has been really valuable. Again, I, my, my goal right now, my short term goal is to push the envelope to to other aspects of of opportunities that we find and we can create in a way uh, for physicians, um, and then and then just growing within the industry. We we would love uh, when we started this we. We had a sort of a big fat goal, so to speak, to um, to almost do away with the term locum's physician. We just, mm. we just, it, it's an old archaic term that we just feel like th- there needs to be a new term. And if, if we're getting, yeah. if, if we're getting to sort of the the goal is how do we how do we replace locum's physician with independent physicians? Right. And so hopefully, long term goals can we can we recreate that entire industry? to create individuals that aren't loyal to one site or one type of practice in medicine and call them independent physicians, because that's truly what we're all going for. And so, you know, and then, you know, I mean, I think, I think a looming question that everyone needs to answer if, you know, you can't dodge it is, well, what happens if somebody comes in and just tries to buy you up? And I think, you know, the, the blessing is, is that we've been able to stay profitable and um, mm-hmm. not, not not hugely, but we're, 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 we're more than profitable. And I would only uh, entertain this with the aspect of somebody keeping it with strict terms that this is, this is, this, this concept is going to stay the same. Uh, I'm not interested in being bought out to just go away. And so anyways, I mean, it, 
it's obviously uh, it, it's it's an ever changing landscape, but we are singularly focused on changing this uh, once and for all. That's great. Yeah, you you do seem to be a vision and and principles first uh, type of leader. And speaking of that, um, probably some of our listeners are um, budding entrepreneur entrepreneurial clinicians themselves. What what advice do you have for young clinicians looking into entrepreneurship? Yes. So you know, don't stop. The hardest days of our company were before we brought in Larson, and mm. I was working full time, and I. I could not see the horizon. Before you quit, make sure you go to everybody that's empowered you, influenced you, uh, supported you, and um, and go to them and 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 have some honest conversations to un to uncover the why. When you yeah. get back to the why you did it, you'll often understand what will keep you going when the when those days come because those dark days will come. But you can't get through. You can't get to the the bright days until you go through the dark days. And so, um, I I encourage this. You know, the second thing is is that give yourself some credit. I think also often mm. my father is a physician, and I used to say, man, he's such a bad businessman. You know, like <laughs> you know he 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 didn't invest in that when he should have, and he and he invested in that when he shouldn't have, and you know he didn't buy property when he you know and all all these things. And I I, I think to myself to get to where we've been through undergrad through high school and college and medical school and residency and moving and, 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 and navigating relationships. And now with all the, the, the complexities of EMRs and patient satisfaction, all of these things that guys we're we're really rather intelligent and we're really rather driven and we're really rather motivated and we're actually multitaskers way more than we think we are. And so right. when, when you ask yourself, why me? Can I do this? The answer is yes, you can, but you just got to find that inner why. And when you find that inner why, you'll be successful. Love it. And one of the one of the great things that you've created through Sycamore is actually a, a podcast. You guys have a podcast called Branch Out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So when Larson started, uh, we we sat down one day and we had a, a meeting about uh, marketing and. And I said, you know, Larson, I said, I, I've never done much marketing. I, I don't have a degree in marketing. Uh, you know, why don't you give me some ideas about how, you know, I was like, well, what if we, what if we did a podcast? And I said, well, okay. Um, turns out I know nothing about a re recording. I don't know anything about <laughs> technology. Like <laughs> I, this is not my wheelhouse. Like, but why don't you, why don't you give me an example? Should why don't you fire one up and then we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. And, and so we did. And, and, and as this thing sort of, this thing sort of continued to roll out, we just saw that there were so many stories in medicine that were, that were, that needed to be told. There were so many, mm -hmm. there were so many entrepreneurs, there were so many driven people that saw an opportunity. And, and, and again, we guys, we see a lot of opportunities every day. But it wasn't about just an opportunity. It's about how do I how do I make that opportunity mine, and how do I take that and uh, and really fulfill what I see as independence within my within my livelihood. And so that's really when we when you look at uh, many of our episodes, there very few of them are from our emergency physicians, but they're from physicians in general, rheumatologists and dermatologists and plastic surgeons and those that have found freedom and independence through 
the opportunity that medicine brought potentially just fi- potentially financial or schedule wise or just the experience or the relationships, but now I've created real independence. And so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Larson and, and our, and our team has done a great job creating that. And, uh, I hope that we hope we can continue and, and find more in- interested individuals to, um, to share their story because their stories are important. That's great. Yeah. So the, the podcast is called branch out and I'm a subscriber. I strongly recommend checking it out if you're uh, interested in physicians who are on the creative side and doing, uh, not just doing the, the usual stuff. Um, yeah, I strongly recommend branch out. So a few, uh, concluding questions, what makes you hopeful about the future of emergency medicine? It goes back to one of the things we talked about and as physicians, um, my hopefulness of emergency medicine, my desire for physicians is to create a longevity, is to create a, a work-life balance that allows for more people to get in, involved um, into emergency medicine, stay in emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, we, ha- we no longer can just be uh, very rigorously thinking about residency and then 14 shifts a month and that happens for 30 years and then you retire. Those days, those golden age days, those baby boomer days are, are, are really over. And if we don't figure out how to redefine satisfaction, redefine independence, redefine purpose inside emergency medicine, I think we're, I think we are going to go down a, 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 a dark path. Um, mm-hmm. I think that uh, the opportunities exist. I think that more and more hospitals are recognizing the value of, of having a, a group that is, when I say satisfied, that doesn't mean they get everything they want, but they're, they see value in their jobs. And so more and more, I think that those opportunities exist. There's a lot of pressures in medicine. There's the, the EMRs and the satisfaction and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the patients per hour and all these metrics that people want to measure, all of that has, uh, in a lot of ways, could, you could argue has actually damaged medicine way more than it has helped. And so we need to get back to the drawing board. We need to get back to finding avenues to help more and, and what that looks like. And I think when, with that, it turns out when you, when you have that kind of outlook on life, not just one or two, but you have a generational outlook on that, it turns out that innovation happens through that. And so I think uh, emergency medicine is just another a- a- uh, avenue, whether it's inside of medicine or outside of medicine, that is sort of doomed for innovation. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and you, you, you could look at how we did things 40 years ago inside of emergency medicine and how a lot of groups are doing them today. And yes, there are some differences, but there are significantly more similarities than there are differences. That's great. One question I, I always ask at the end is what book or movie would you recommend to our audience? When I was a kid growing up, I hated to read and I loved to watch movies. And now that I'm an adult, I hate to watch movies and I love to read books. And so recently I have read a book. I finished a book called, uh, I think they made a movie on it, called The Gentleman from Moscow. And uh, it's an Immortals book. And it is a, it's a phenomenal book. It, um, it's a historical fiction. And it really challenged me personally in a lot of ways through looking at Looking at, you know, as a physician, a lot of times I have a hard time complaining or, or being perceived as whining about my situation because in, it, all in all, uh, compared to the rest of the world, I'm so significantly uh, uh, favored and blessed than I, than I ever should be. However, this book uh, 
sort of shares that, but being trapped inside of a, a situation that, uh, that, that they can't leave. And it, it really uh, opened my eyes up to individuals that are uh, from externally, they have the world, but internally, they're really struggling with how to deal with what they have and how to deal with it in an independent and free way. And so it's a great book. I just got uh, the sequel uh, for Christmas for my son. So I'm excited to read that cool. uh, as well. So if our listeners are as inspired by this conversation as, as I've been, what's what's the best way to get uh, to get in touch with sure. you and to learn more about Sycamore? Absolutely. So my email address is hhusseini at sycamoredocs.com. And um, I'm also on Twitter at, at Hamid Husseini and uh, Facebook. I don't do Instagram and uh, I'm definitely not on TikTok right now. So <laughs> anyways, uh, maybe one day, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Email is best um, or, or on, on social media. And I'd love to chat and share any information I have with you and, uh, and, and inspire you. Ahmad, thanks for doing this. Um, you've really been an inspiration and um, uh, we're, we're glad that we could have uh, have you share your thoughts with us today. Thanks, Leon. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Emergency Medicine Workforce Podcast. If you have feedback for us or just have some thoughts on this episode, hit us up on social media at EM Workforce. And don't forget to subscribe now to this podcast on your favorite podcast app or at emergencymedicineworkforce.com. This podcast is edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Leon Edelman, and if you're in the emergency medicine trenches, I appreciate all of the work that you do. We'll see you again soon with the next episode.